You're listening to a bonus episode of the Accounting Influencers Podcast, Talent in Accounting, with Rob Brown. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Welcome to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. I mean, we were Brown, another episode where we bring on a guest to talk deeply about a topic that concerns CPAs, public accountants all over the world. We go out to an audience of 30,000 in 150 countries, and I'm thrilled to have with me today, Ashley Miller. Good day, Ashley. Hello, how are you, Rob? We're splendid. It's wonderful to have you with us. Ashley, for those people that haven't come across you, just tell us a bit about your background and your areas of expertise. Sure. So uh, I grew up in a small accounting firm called EY. Um, spent almost 20 years there. Just the back bedroom firm, isn't it, that one? Yeah, they're hoping to grow, you know, <laughs> one day. <laughs> um, so definitely have uh, had experience and speak accounting. Um, so, so I left, though, and started my own company, and I am now an executive coach. I work with executives and other leaders um, and teams around uh, you know, team dynamics, leadership skills, um, influencing and just kind of how, how to make one better in uh, the in the workplace. Mm. And what kind of shape do you feel the accounting profession is in right now? Because you've been in it, you've come out of it, so you've got a very good perspective looking back into it. Well, I think it's an incredible spot, actually. I mean, the pandemic was uh, challenging for most businesses and accounting firms were able to come in and help support those businesses going through traumatic and unprecedented times. Um, so there's been tremendous growth. I think uh, everyone could agree that perhaps the, the talent portion of the industry is um, struggling. <laughs> But by and large, I mean, it, it, I think the, the profession's in great shape. Well, you speak to talent and we know there's a big black hole in the labor pool for talent and accounting firms need headcount. They want to grow. They've got big plans. They're getting demands from the client to deal with ever more complex problems. What do you feel the future looks like for public accounting and if they can't get the talent they want? Well, I mean, I think firms are in a very unique spot now that we can open kind of cross borders and, and do recruiting all over the globe. So there's um, an opportunity there to expand. I think a lot of firms are looking at um, individuals with a d- diverse background, not necessarily just that in finance or accounting. Um, so there's an opportunity there as well as, you know, firms open their their minds to different possibilities. Um, but, you know, everyone's experiencing the great, what they're calling the great job hop now. You know, it's kind of what are people looking for in their professions? What are they, you know, what are they trying to um, accomplish personally and professionally? And how do those two things marry? One of your particular passions is the human side of business. Now, accountants buy into a career. It's all about the numbers. It's all about managing the risk. It's all binary. It's all black and white. It's all about the tech and the automation and the spreadsheets and everything else. Where is the room there for the human side of business? I think it has to be there, right? So I don't think any accountant's working by themselves completely. They're certainly not selling to to a robot, right? So clients are people, the people that they're working with our people, the, you know, leaders are people. Um, so you can't get away from it. Uh, we haven't evolved to, to that degree of just, you know, computers talking to computers and that's it. So you have to have that human element. And I think, um, you know, people are craving human connection, um, even inside the workplace. What is the role of a, an accountant these days? 
particularly the, the leaders and the partners, because, yeah, they've got to build the hours and charge the time and serve the clients and everything else. But the world is changing. AI is coming in. Automation, you've talked about the, the change in the great job hop and recalibration in life. So what is the modern day accountant's role in your eyes? So I think there's a couple of questions there. The, the, the role is, uh, you know, providing value. And so accountants have this uh, very unique ability. They've got skills and services they can bring to organizations that don't, you know, that don't already sit in those organizations that are needed. So there's a huge value add, a huge opportunity to help organizations grow. So I think it's coming from a place of, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but maybe servitude, right? So they're, they're servants to these organizations that truly need their help. Outside of that, what I would say, what hasn't changed and probably won't change, it hasn't changed in the last thousands of years and probably won't change, is human behavior and the way that our um, minds are wired, frankly. And so I think it's a it's a unique opportunity right now to pause and go, okay, what does it mean to be human and how do we retain talent and motivate talents and um, you know, what role do leaders have in, in sculpting that? Because we all kind of want the same thing. You know, we want to be valued. We want to be happy. We want to feel productive. We want to have that sense of belonging and connection that I mentioned before. So, I mean, those things just have not changed. So we've got, you know, great technology that enable some connection. For example, we wouldn't be here together without technology today. So it, it's an enabler for building connections. Um, but you you know, and we're introducing AI and other uh, technologies that help us be more productive and efficient, but it cannot replace the human connection. In all of your years at Ernst & Young, is what motivates accountants now the same as what motivated accountants 20 years ago? Has that human behavior changed or is it ever this? I, I would say there's some external factors that have, have changed and, and kind of what motivates um, the profession. But at the core human level, I don't know that that has changed, right? And it's sort of uh, the role of, of leaders to figure out what does motivate their people, right? So, and that's different for everybody. Um, some people are super motivated by just the monetary rewards. Some people are motivated by um, public recognition. Some people are motivated by private recognition. Um, some are motivated by autonomy and flexibility. So it's really trying to understand um, which each of those unique motivators are for, for folks and trying to cater to that as much as possible. When you talk to your clients who are in leadership roles, you're coaching them through uh, the minefield that is culture and building a team and motivating and engaging people. What are some of the key issues that come up in those conversations, Ashley? Yeah, so I think, yeah, certainly the motivating folks is one, inspiring folks. Just just make the difference for us. Just distinguish those to motivating and inspiring. Well, I think, you know, to inspire somebody, you have to have a, a large degree of self-awareness. You know, are you somebody that others would want to follow? Are you somebody who's in a position to influence the direction of others? Um, you know, do you hold yourself to a standard that, yeah, people, hey, people are going to look at me and say, wow, this person takes calculated risks. They, you know, they, they are, um, somebody that I would like to, to emulate. And, and the motivation, the motivation piece is, um, again, just understanding kind of what, uh, how people are motivated and just the, the core of our humanness is, you know, if, if, uh, if you strive to be happy, happiness is derived from, um, productivity and progress towards a goal, you know, the, a, a bigger goal. Um, so to the extent that leaders can lay out a strategy 
and explain and communicate well to the folks in the organization what their individual day-to-day -day contribution to that bigger goal is, I think they'll have more success. And I don't think that always happens. There's a communication breakdown a lot of times um, between sort of that executive layer vision versus the folks, you know, kind of downstream in the organization. Um, so I think it's really important for leaders to understand, hey, people want to make progress. They want to add value. They want to be working towards something bigger than just themselves. Um, and so I think in terms of culture, setting that stage and figuring out what that is as, as a firm um, and then communicating that down and, and having folks go, yeah, that's something I can hitch my wagon to. That's something that I want to be a part of. That's something that excites me, motivates me, inspires me. And what challenges are presented in driving a culture when people are remote? They're not in the office. They're hybrid. They're all over the place. You can't get them in around the water cooler or in the, the kitchen having a coffee. Zoom meetings and Teams meetings are difficult. What challenges does that present? Rob, I, you know, I think we aren't going to really know... <laughs> what the what the workforce is going to look like and the impact of this over the next 10, 20 years. I think about it a lot. That's still shaking down, then, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I think for folks who have grown up in an office environment, let's say, who have had the, the water cooler talks, maybe can adjust to this, this remote en environment a little bit better because there's um, sort of that foundation or grounding around what it means to have those professional relationships. And, uh, and many are already established, right? So I really don't know what it's gonna look like for folks just coming into the workforce who are growing up in this environment. It, it's definitely a challenge. It's, it, you have to work a little bit harder to get that human connection. It's not impossible. I think we've proved that, you know, we can do it. Um, I, I just, I really don't know how it's going to, to impact the way that this all looks, like I said, decades down the road. What, what has your experience been and the work that you're doing? There's pluses and minuses to the hybrid world because, and, and it depends on who you are. As you said earlier, Ashley, we all have different weapons, different skills, different motivations, and what you love, I don't love. And and I'll, you like me for not wearing a tie and some people will hate me for not wearing a tie. And that's the world that we're in. Humans are complex, difficult creatures with, with lots of different shades. So, the hybrid world will serve some that don't want the commute, don't want to be in the office, like their own space, like working in their gym jams. Whereas for others, particularly the younger people I feel for, that they want to be socializing. They want to be meeting potential partners, boyfriends, girlfriends. That's where you're, that's where that comes from, isn't it? The world of work. So lots of pluses and minuses. It speaks though for me to employer brand, which is a phrase that's become very buzz over the last few years. Not your corporate brand of why your firm is attractive to clients, but your employer brand of what makes your firm attractive to potential new staff. So how have you seen employer brand become more important over the last few years? Vis-a-vis -vis talent? Yeah. Yeah, again, it's that sense of It's a fight for it, isn't it? You've got to show that you are the employer of choice. It's a, it's a huge fight and there's, a you know, you can't always compete just, you know, on salary, right? It's got to be more than that. It's salary, it's salary plus. So I know a lot of folks are looking for flexibility, which I think uh, most firms are, are accommodating. Um, and it, it, again, I think it's just having some, you know, strong purpose that, that, you know, you can hit your wagon to. So if that's not clearly defined, inspiring and communicated, you know, people aren't going to necessarily want to want to work for you. So people will stick around if they're happy, they're feeling productive, they're feeling valued. Um, I mean, you can you think about like, uh, for example, say a marriage, you stick around, it creates loyalty because you've got such an emotional component to it that makes you feel good, right? So it's cultivating that same emotion that um, 
that creates the, the loyalty and the commitment to an organization. So what does that look like? How, how are you, how are you tapping into people's emotional side? You know, is there, is there empathy? I mean, empathy creates human connection and higher productivity and um, he has a huge impact on organizations from a people perspective. Uh, I think just getting to that authentic human um grounding is is something that we, we kind of lose that a little bit now now the pandemic has helped in some regards because we have literally had meetings inside people's homes meaning via zoom so you you are kind of creating a human connection so much as like oh you might see a kid or a pet or something or you know oh gee i have a service guy at the door um so you're kind of getting a little bit more into the people side of of the person that is in the business and I think that that's a positive um, because people just like to be around people that they can relate to, you know? And so creating that relatability, creating um, an environment where people can be human and vulnerable, I, I think is important. You mentioned the word loyalty. Are you seeing loyalty is tougher to find these days? Because first off, people come into public accounting know it's not a job for life. You don't, they don't want to do 40, 50 years. They are interested in an interesting career, maybe multiple careers, not just multiple jobs. And people these days are not so keen to stay where they are if they get a better offer or even the perception of a better offer. So loyalty is at a premium. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's interesting how that's changed over the generations, isn't it? So, you know, customarily back in the day, you'd stick with one organization for a lifetime. Right. And then they you know, take care of you after. Well, it was frowned upon, Ashley, wasn't it? If you moved around too much, people would ask why. Yeah. Why can't you hold a job? Why are you always sticking around? And now it's definitely commonplace. Um, I, I think, you know, making sure that folks understand what the opportunities going forward are. And certainly within the accounting profession, um, there's lots of opportunity. Right. And are those opportunities being communicated? Again, it's a lot about communication. Um, you know, I left an organization before I joined EY because I was not aware of the other possibilities. I wasn't exactly thrilled with what I was doing at the time. Now, had I had I understood the other possibilities within that organization, I may have stayed. Um, but, you know, I'll take personal accountability for that as well. Like I didn't necessarily seek it out the way I should have, um, but it wasn't apparent to me. So, you know, it, perhaps, you know, there's there's not only client serving positions within accounting within the accounting world, right? There's a lot of support roles that people might be interested in. Um, so possibly making sure that people are aware of, of those different uh, avenues. Looking at the wider statistics, we know there is a leaching out of talent from the accounting world, going into fintech, going into commerce, going into industry, coming out of public accounting. And there's a sense of entitlement in some quarters of accounting professionals that I don't need this job. I don't need this aggro. I don't need this hassle. I can find a job anywhere. I'm in demand. And in a sense, you can then be an average accountant, an average professional, and still get a job and get a salary and get the package you want because you're so much in demand. Speak into that a little bit. Yeah, that's an interesting point and very, very valid. I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to try to tap into the sort of new psyche of... The world owes me a career. <laughs> Show me what you got for me. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I have to imagine at some point, you know, chasing that will be exhausting for folks. And there is a point, I believe that people will feel like, no, I, I want to sink my teeth in. I want to grow. I want to, like I said, belong to something um, longer term. I, 
and maybe that's a Pollyanna view. We certainly are into human capital. You and I, I wrote a book on your reputation and how you trade, you build career capital and trade that for the autonomy, the flexibility, the control, the interesting work that you want from a job. You speak a lot about people and human capital. So there's still a responsibility on the employee in there to build up themselves and not just think, well, I'm in demand, I can coast, I can do whatever I like, providing I do the minimum. Yeah, I think in in all facets of life, when you allow the ego to get a little too big, it uh, you, you tend to fall eventually, um, or it gets in the way in one in, in one form or the other. So yeah, you know, I talk a lot about empathy and understanding people and leaning in and treating people the way they like to be treated, but certainly not from a coddling or um, kumbaya sort of way. It's more, I mean, I am huge into personal accountability and folks definitely do need to, um, you know, be advocates for their own career um, and and make sure that they're not the problem. Uh, so again, it's self-awareness, right? Just as a, as a great leader needs to have a great deal of self-awareness, so do so do the, the folks down, down the line. And it will be those people with self-awareness that would reach out to an Ashley Miller to say, hey, I need something here. I need something that I'm not getting within my firm. Executive coaching, mentoring, whatever you call that. What kind of people do reach out to you, Ashley? And what kind of challenges do they have that they want you to work through with them? I think a lot of leaders are... <laughs> maybe lonely at the top. You know, people aren't always completely honest with folks who who, who hold those top positions. Um, there's a lot of yes men, if you will. Um, and so... And they can't talk to anybody inside the firm often about that, can they? Right. And, you know, they stop getting asked to lunch and all sorts of things, right? Because people don't want that pressure. They feel like it's pressure. So, you know, I I work with with leaders who are kind of struggling with that. And, and you know, how are, how are the... Um, how does the organization view them, right? So 360 degree evaluations or assessments are always helpful to to help a leader become more self-aware and understand how their actions are impacting others in the organization and how that's being perceived. Um, So I believe there's a lot of value there because a lot of times what's in our heart or what our intentions are don't come through and they hit people in a different way that you don't anticipate. So it's good to understand that, you know, certainly leaders are trying to influence their organizations and sometimes that's not working so well. And it's, it probably has to do with, um, again, that connection, uh, people trusting the leader. Trust is huge. If you know, you're not going to follow somebody that you don't trust or you don't like. Um, and certainly uh, clients, right? They're, they're going to buy from people that they, they trust and organizations that they like. So building, building trust, we talk a lot about that, building rapport. Are there any quick wins for trust, Ashley, in a time poor world with very busy people? I, we appreciate it's a lot about connections, but sometimes you need to get influence and trust pretty quickly at the speed the world goes. Any advice on that? I think the key to that is vulnerability. Right. And and I'm not saying that you have to like spill out your, you know, your life's deep, dark secrets. But, you know, I, I have found and, and, and when I, you know, work with clients, I have to build trust with them very, very quickly. And so um, the way that I have found to do that is to kind of just be vulnerable, be like, you know, <laughs> I spilled the coffee on me this morning and had struggle getting the kids out to school. So-and-so is sick, you know, human stuff, right? Because, you know, a lot of times I think people think, okay, well, here's, you know, um, Rob is the manager and then Rob goes home, you know, well, or Zoom's home, whatever, (laughs) however we're working these days. And they forget that Rob is 
actually a person who is working in in the business. So if you can tie yourself to a little bit more of a, a human emotion, even you can build that that trust a lot quicker. Because somebody will go, okay. I don't have to be up here. I don't have to be on. I can be human and and share a little bit more about, you know, what's going on with me or how I'm feeling. That makes good sense. The, the counter argument to that would be, well, I'm in accounting. I can't show any weakness when I'm at Ernst & Young or wherever I am. I'm a partner. I'm a leader. I can't show people that I'm not coping, that I'm struggling with certain things, be it professional or personal. So how do you square that circle? I, don't, I feel, you know, you really got to ask yourself if, if that's the way that you feel about yourself showing up. Yeah, I re- really would challenge that. I would challenge that and try it out. See what happens if you share a little bit, see what you get back. And certainly nobody wants, you know, I'm not saying to come in and just whine and c- complain about all of the things that you would complain about to say, you know, a group of friends or a therapist for that matter, but just to show, Hey, you know, like I, I've, you know, I put my pants on same way you do kind of thing. And I, and I think that goes a long way. You know, we talk a lot about like DEI, for example. Um, and, and, and find good, great. But I think we've got so much more that's in common in our human emotional side. You know, like I said at the beginning, we all want the same types of things. We want love, acceptance, uh, to be valued, to be productive, to have opportunities. And that's a universal human condition. Actually, this is wonderful. As we come to a close, if people love what you're saying and they like the way you're saying it, they want to reach out to you, what's a good way for them to contact you? Certainly my uh, my website, it's um, amplifyexcellence.com. I can be emailed at ashley at amplifyexcellence.com and certainly LinkedIn. Got it. We'll put your details in the show notes. And, and just to finish, what advice would you give to accountants that are perhaps looking to bring out the more human side, they recognize that everyone's contending with something. Uh, it's a crazy world, mental health and well-being are at a premium. And it, I guess it starts with them. What advice would you give to them? Call me. Yeah, I think just take a little pause and and uh, and consider the way that you're showing up in your interactions. And is there a way that you can tweak that a bit to you know, uh, lean into some empathy with somebody else, you know, ask some questions. Don't be the one always talking, right? Maybe just ask some inquisitive questions about what's going on with somebody else or clients for that matter. I mean, I answer people too. Ashley, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks so much for your passion and your insights. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. 